Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. And let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. This is V Evans, host of Tear Out the Tags, the podcast, and I am on the Morning Spotlight with Mike Ham. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. Now, I almost messed up and talked about how we're on the podcast lunch hour here on Clubhouse, which we do Monday through Friday from 12 to 1 Eastern. Shameless plug right out of the gate. But my guest today will help you realize that you're paying attention to the false labels that other people have given you and sometimes that you've given yourself. Throughout her life, she constantly felt straddled between two worlds that didn't necessarily go together, let alone with who she was inside. While working in the oil and gas industry and dancing professionally for the Phoenix Suns, she realized that the way she was labeled contributed to her own version of stuck. She's the founder of Embolden Label, the host of Tear Out the Tags, the podcast, and her life's mission is helping people remove the labels that are holding them back in order to live emboldened and, embo- and to embolden others. She is B Evans. B, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I mean, we talk basically every single day, so I figured why not have you on the show so we could at least like record some of the conversations that we have because if people don't know, B is the co-host of the podcast Lunch Hour that I host on Clubhouse Monday through Friday from 12 to 1 Eastern. There's another plug right out of the gate. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so how's, how is it being a co-host of mine? It's fabulous. I mean, I sort of pushed my way in. I wouldn't say it was an invite role. I sort of said, Hey, you need more women on stage and I should be your co-host. And you yeah. very graciously let me in. And now I feel like we're old friends. Right. Well, I mean, we've been, like I said, we talk every day, you know, for at least an hour. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was pretty much the pitch. It was just like, you need some more women on the stage. And, you know, I had a co-host originally Frederick and Frederick did a great job for like the week that he was my co-host. And, um, then I didn't have a co-host because Frederick got a new job. So good for him. And then got B now. And like, I think we do a pretty good job. I think we have good differing styles that like help kind of, you know, run the room effectively. And then, you know, if I have to take a day off or if you have to take a day off, I think it works really well. So um, from a clubhouse perspective, because that's where we met and that's where, you know, we've kind of like kind of grown a little bit of a following during that hour. Um, what has been your experiences on clubhouse? You know, I think Clubhouse is like a new big animal in the social media world. And it's really interesting when something like this starts because you get all of the positive, like this is the most amazing thing ever. You have to get on. It's super valuable. And then you get the other conversation, which is really common on any social media platform. That's like, this is evil and it's, you know, going to break the world and, and everything is, is just falling apart. I think Clubhouse has filled a really necessary component that we're missing in our lives right now while we've lived through this pandemic. And that is simply that social, that easy social interaction. So if you're sort of sitting in your house and you're craving just conversation or looking for knowledge in something, you can literally jump on clubhouse and be engaged in a conversation within moments. 
However, it's also very addicting. So there are a lot of different sides to this. What I love what you said about we have different styles is that you knew that I was going to jump on any tag that you delivered there. So good job. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. good job. But, you know, to your point, it's been really neat to meet people who have really differing views and different approaches to conversation, different approaches to conflict and coaching. And really, if there's anything you can find in this world, you can find it on Clubhouse because everyone's there. Yeah. And you know what I think the really cool thing is, is just like, you know, I mean, like you're one of them and there's obviously several other people that, that frequent our room quite often that, you know, like we know and we respect and we sometimes have as moderators or sometimes they ask questions or whatever, but just like the community that I think that we've kind of found ourselves developing. And I think this is really important because you kind of like pick and choose like who you want to follow and, and all that and who you want to engage with. I think that the community that we've been lucky enough to kind of find and cultivate there is just extremely like giving and collaborating and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's, that's really cool, which is what I like about Clubhouse is that I can get on there for an hour of, you know, once a day and still get a lot of stuff out of it, depending on where the conversation kind of flows to. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's been really neat to see how people are interconnected. So I've met so many amazing people that have added value to my content and my mission that I wouldn't have met if it weren't for some random connection that I met in, you know, and connected offline in a room in, in clubhouse. It's, yeah. you know, if, if people that are listening aren't on, it really is an experience. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know people that are doing deals on clubhouse that are making like some great connections on clubhouse, but this isn't about clubhouse. This is about B Evans. So I like, kind of know the story. I mean, because I like, I've looked at the website and obviously we know each other fairly well because of, of clubhouse. Um, and I've heard like bits and pieces of the story, uh, you know, over the last several weeks, but I don't think I've ever heard like the whole story. So let's hear the whole story. So kind of like take us back to maybe when, like, where did, where did B Evans kind of first start? Like what, what, what has turned you into the B Evans that I know today? Oh my gosh, this is such a loaded question. Such a loaded question. So we, you, could, you, be... could take it, you could take it very basic at the very beginning and then we can kind of <laughs> like, I'll you know do my best to kind of pick apart whatever you say. So. For sure. No, I, I know where you're going with this. I was going to be super sarcastic and just hit you with like, I was born in this place, right? You know, <laughs> but I won't, I won't do right. that to your audience. Yeah, yeah no, all good. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, you know, really, I think that one of the main areas where it started for me was I was working in the oil and gas industry. I was, you know, kind of working for a family company in high school and college, tweeted off, sort of did some other things and then came back to it. And then at the same time, I was 21 years old. I was also dancing for the Phoenix Suns, like you mentioned um, at the beginning of the show. And I found that my brand had to really change when I would go from one world to the next. And in the NBA, we would have three practices a week and sometimes up to four games a week. So quite literally, I would go from my day job wearing one hat that was very male dominant industry, had to show up really strong, but also feminine kind of respect certain roles. I mean, it, and none of this stuff was voiced, right? It, I shouldn't say none, but not very much of this is voiced. A lot of the tags we wear are implied tags. So it's sort of like you will flow into a situation and sort of figure out where you fit. And then we stay there because it's comfortable and because we're pleasing in that place. And then I would do the same thing when I would go to the Phoenix Suns games. You know, that's an entirely different brand, very unified, the hair and the makeup and the glitz and really kind of this, you know, community that was surrounding pro sports. 
Um, and I also, I don't share this on all podcasts, but since I just shared it in the morning or the, the morning spotlight, that's where we are, um, in the podcast lunch hour is we sign contracts as game entertainment. So when you try out and make a professional sports organization dance team, you sign a contract saying that you, you know, won't fraternize that, you know, there's just certain details that they want to make sure that they're protecting the organization from. And, you know, this can be demonized. I personally don't think it's a, a highly negative thing. I think it's, you know, there's issues, but whatever it can, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but all in all, it really taught me that that was my role. I was to be there and to be pretty and to be pleasing and to flip my hair and entertain the crowd. But I could only speak to certain people. And if certain people spoke to me, I had to be very cautious about where the conversation went. So I picked up a lot of tags from my oil and gas job. And then I would go and I would pick up a lot of tags from my dance career and kind of that world that I was in. And they weren't all negative. Not all tags are negative, but we sort of walk through life and we collect all of these labels that are being attached to us or that we're getting from different experiences. I didn't realize though, all of these things until I had a mentor pour into me and teach me how to be an executive coach. So completely different from these two worlds that I knew. And I got an opportunity to train a group of vice presidents at a very large corporation. It was, it was like winning the career lottery change. If that makes sense, you know, it was like, oh my God, somebody pinched me. Why do I get to do this? And when can I go? So the only rule, so to speak, was I had to wear a business suit. So I packed this business suit that I pieced together, flew to LA, and I was like, just so ready for change in my life. So ready to go and be the B that I knew that I could be. That was a whole lot of rhyming. I'm not a poet, despite what you might think. I don't, can you rhyme <laughs> B with B? Yeah, Is that a thing? totally. Well, I guess you, it's like two different Bs because one has two E's and one has one E. Exactly. So I guess that does count. <laughs> Just right, go sorry. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little linguistic so, yeah. lesson here on the morning spotlight. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you make the rules when you attach your own tags. So yes, I'm a poet. Yeah, right. I said yeah I now am. you're a poet. Boom. <laughs> so yeah, I, I fly to LA. I'm, I'm so ready for this change in my life. And really, I had become very uncomfortable in my comfort zone. So I am scanning in through security just, just ready, just ready to take on, kill it, whatever the words are that you use for this. And I'm riding up the executive elevator to the executive floor. And I mean, everything about this to me was like high pressure. And all of a sudden there's a tag in the back of my blazer. that starts itching. And I start realizing that the itching and the irritation that comes with that tag came with all of the bad self-talk. So it was like, you're not good enough to be here. You're not qualified. You're not educated these people aren't going to respect you. You're too young. If you can imagine 900 negatives went through my head on repeat and that tag really represented that negative self-talk. So that was really where tear out the tags was born is I really realized that it's not just limiting beliefs that are holding us back. And it's not just mental health conversations that are important to be having like quite literally the words that we use to define ourselves and then the way that we define those words are having a major impact on how we can move through the world and how we can accomplish our goals and how we can help other people. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
I'm going to jump back into this back in time in that story from like the oil and gas and the Phoenix sun. So like, obviously, like you mentioned, those are two totally different things. So what exactly like was the oil and gas job? I mean, I'm sure you weren't just pumping gas, but like, what was, what was the job? Yeah. So I, it was a family company. So when you work for a family company, it's kind of all hands on deck. I did a lot of admin work when I was younger. I went into accounting and finance. Um, I became an owner. Eventually I did some sales. I would take customers golfing, like anything that you need done in a family business you do. And so it's interesting. Another tag that I figured out that I wear is shadow power. So I had a very intelligent mother and father that built this incredibly successful business. And I was always seen as a beneficiary to that. So any work that I did to sort of earn my right or earn my space in the company, it wasn't that my parents didn't see or recognize the growth or the achievement, but a lot of times the people around me wouldn't. So I tell this story about a good friend of mine who um, I got married a couple of years ago. And then after I got married, she, she and I were on the phone and she said, Hey, do you still work for your dad? which by the way, was like my most, most loathed question. I yeah. hated getting asked that question because right. I've worked yeah. there for 18 years. Right. So, yeah. and I'm a part owner and I feel like I've accomplished out of that question, but I said, no, I'm actually not. I'm starting my own business and da, da, da. And she responded with, are you working for your husband now? And it was like an automatic response. And again, I go back to our own tags. So I have all these tags surrounding men being at the center of my success. So she would have no way of knowing that I had tags stacked inside of me that had to do with those questions and sort of those triggers in me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then like, just as a curiosity question, how do you go from in this corporate world to be like, yeah, I'm going to go dance for the suns. Like at what point do you be like, I can go do this. Maybe it's like something that you want to do. That's fun. Maybe there's something that you want to do. That's maybe like, just because it's so different, you just needed to do it. Um, so how did you get involved with that? Yeah. So it's interesting. I want to clarify too. Um, my job in oil and gas was very blue collar. I would not say it was corporate at all. It was very much like hands dirty, totally different brand, so to speak. Um, and the sun's dancing thing, I moved home from college and I tried out for an AFL team. It was sort of a Hey, I wonder if I could dance after college kind of random thing. And that turned into not only dancing for that organization, but also being invited to audition for the Phoenix Suns. Got it. And I've always been like this discovery has always led me in really weird places. Yeah. Um, and I always saw that as a negative, like I always saw myself as the Jane of all trades and the master of none. Like it was like, I was never going to succeed at anything. And what I didn't realize was that discovery was actually leading me in really cool places, but I wasn't allowing myself permission to really enjoy the experience and enjoy the different relationships that I gained from being part of those things. Yeah. I think I'm very similar in that way because like really one of the only things, cause I get like these these like bugs in my brain. I'm like, Ooh, I want to go try this. And like, I'll do it for like a week. And then next thing I know, I'm like, Ooh, I want to go try this. And then I'll go do that for a week. Um, and then like the podcasting is actually the only one of the only things like baseball podcasting, I guess, title insurance sales to a certain degree have been like the only few only things that I've really just kind of like stuck to and kind of like really leaned into it because then I just decided to jump in full force. But Side sidebar that well, that's going to happen quite a bit over the course of this episode. We're big on sidebars and tangents and yeah, I love that different conversations. That's my jam. But, right. So, all right. So I feel like I use this phrase quite a bit and mind you, I'm not necessarily like a religious person, but 
I like to think of like the coming to Jesus moments, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like when you feel the tag, uh, uh, you know, in your blazer and you rip it out. And like, I feel like that was like your, at least maybe it's one, you could have multiple coming to Jesus moments, but I, that could be one of your coming to Jesus moments. Right. That's like where it really starts to kind of turn around maybe for you. And you kind of recognize some of the stuff that is going on below the surface in your life. Yeah, for sure. I think the first time you see a tag that's really holding you back, that's when that come to Jesus moment happens. And then after that, I think it becomes more of a daily habit kind of, um, you know, a lot of people do affirmations. I'm all about making sure to manifest the change. So I am big on taking the words that pop up and making sure we have them labeled correctly. Cause a lot of times you will be blocked and you'll go, Oh, I'm unworthy. And this is the tag. Well, that is not the tag, but yeah. that is a template of what you're feeling and not actually the root of what's causing the unworthy. Um, because we all know we can't be unworthy or a failure or unlovable across the board. It's usually in a category of our lives. So the work that I do is really about making sure that people start to accurately define those tags. And then what's really important is we all have different versions of different words. So if I asked you to label five words that you think of when I say the word love, and I did the same thing, we would likely have either none or maybe only one or two things in common because yeah. you and I define love very differently. Right. Um, so just so that people can, just because you kind of went through like that little description there and just so that the listeners can fully grasp what we're talking about when we're talking about tags, I know that you said it's like the labels and the way that we define ourselves and all that kind of stuff, but maybe give us like some common tags so that like people can kind of get an idea of what it is that we're actually about to start diving into here. Yeah, no doubt. So common tags are failure, unworthy, unlovable, um, too much is a big one that, that I work with people on perfectionist, people, pleaser, overthinker, empath. Um, so really a tag is just a word. If you can think like, um, if you grab the tag in the back of your shirt, there are usually six things written on most tags. First is brand. Second is size. Third is origin. Fourth is material. Fifth is care instructions and sixth is foreign language. So I like to see all six of those categories as areas where we can really dive into our initial tags. So if you imagine like any word really can be a tag, if it, if it grabs onto something inside of you. So one tag that I shared that was, um, pretty profoundly miswired within me was the tag cheerleader or the word cheerleader. So I went through a couple of experiences, both in high school and as a professional cheerleader that weren't so fun. They, they sort of made me define cheerleader as a negative. And one of those things is I was dancing at the NBA all-star game and I was asked to go and do a sweet visit in a celebrity box. So I went with another dancer. We went up to the celebrity box. This was very common of our job and we walk in and she sort of went this way and I went this way. And, and immediately I see these two reality stars from a show that was probably one of the first big reality shows that was commonly known. I'm not going to drop it just because I think that's rude, but these two women approach me. They're highly intoxicated. They are sort of mocking me and making fun of me. One of the gals who's, I would argue the more famous one grabs my pom-poms out of my hand, shakes them kind of does this Valley girl 
you know, oh, look at me, I'm a cheerleader. And then throws the pom-poms sort of like, I say in my face, but that's a little dramatic. It's like one hit my shoulder and one hit like my stomach area. And then they drop to the ground. And I was mortified, like truly felt so discounted and dismissed and mortified. And the worst part was I couldn't stand up for myself, right? Like I couldn't cause a scene. I couldn't, you know, hit the girl in the face. (laughs) Like I couldn't do anything. I had to just bend over, pick my pom-poms up and, and basically excuse myself after being sort of ridiculed and mocked. Um, and so a couple of things like that had happened that allowed me to define this as a negative, like this is embarrassing and people are mocking me and making fun of me and they don't respect me. And there were other, there were other factors that played into this, but what I really realized is today I am still a professional cheerleader. My job is to encourage people. My job is to take people in a stuck place in their life and really ignite this passion inside of them and ignite, you know, this competitive fighter spirit in them and then cheer them through their process. So it was really important that I didn't tear out the tag cheerleader because I needed it, but it was completely misdefined within me. So I had to really sit and do the work of defining what it is to me to be a cheerleader and why is it a positive? And it wasn't until I did that, that I felt comfortable sort of reattaching that label to myself. And now I'm very comfortable wearing the, the label cheerleader. So it's, so a tag is not necessarily a bad thing. Correct. So it could be a good thing because like one of the questions that I have sometimes, like when I do hear you, I hear you talk about the tags all the time. Um, one of the questions that I always have is like, I feel like sometimes because they're tags, they're bad. Um, or it may be like the tags are putting us in a box that we might not otherwise be in. But I do think that there is, you know, like if I think of myself in a certain way and like, if I have a positive self-image and I feel good about myself and all that kind of stuff. There are some things that I think that would be tags that I would associate with myself, but they don't, doesn't necessarily make them bad. If that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Just like a rambling tag. over here. No, you're right. And it's kind of <laughs> sad. We've known each other a long time for you to still have questions about this. So I'm clearly doing a bad job with my message. Well, we don't, we, we don't talk about tags in the lunch it's hour. True. It's more about podcasting, but I do hear you. So I have like a broad idea of yeah. what the tags are. Yeah. Um, but some, and I know, I know that they're not all bad, but I just needed to make sure that we kind of like got cleared that up too. No. And that you make such a good point. And a, t- a tag is really just an identity, excuse me. A tag is just an identity. Oh my gosh. We're both professional podcasters <laughs> here, folks. <laughs> you better not cut We this host the podcast lunch hour Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a tag is just an identifier. It's just a way that we label things and it's human nature to categorize things. We categorize our dogs. We categorize our homes. We categorize our vacations. Like we just have a tendency to need to label things. And today we have a bigger need for that because we are inundated with content. Quite literally, we are not moving as fast as the internet world that we're living in. So what has happened is we've we've gone so fast and so far with the assumptions and judgments that we make and the categories we place people and things in that sometimes we make mistakes. So, you know, here's the thing. I can't change the way that you're going to label me. But what I can do is I can choose to not pick up the labels that I don't want to wear that you might give me unintentionally or intentionally. Okay. That's my work. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So, um, what are some ways that like, when you work with the people that you work with and we'll get into like how you like the types of people that you can work with, because I'm assuming that it's like 
a lot of different kinds of people because I know the people that you talk to and all that. So when you're working with these people, like what are some ways that you kind of like shake those tags or tear them out or whatever the, you know, verb is um, like, how, how do you go about doing that? Like identifying the ones that are maybe like holding them back and then maybe giving them ones that, you know, maybe they don't even know that they have, but like kind of like re- relabeling them, I guess. Yeah, for sure. The first step is always discovery. Um, it's just a concept that none of us have really ever heard of or been able to dive deep into. Um, so I actually have a free course that will be available on my website probably before this launches. So I'll work on getting that done for you. And then, um, I have an exercise actually that I prefer to start with, and it's just the tear out the tags exercise. And what we do is we start with one tag and it, you know, it can be anything from I'm not smart to, um, you know, nobody loves me to my dad left when I was a kid, right. It can kind of just be a subject line. And then from there, I do a really deep dive coaching session and we really, I challenge you on everything that you believe about yourself. And I move fast and we define things and we, um, I will bring up other words to see if they also relate. And what you end up with is about 50 to 60 tags that you then get to decide what is accurate, what is inaccurate, what belongs to you, what doesn't belong to you. And then sort of at the end of that process, we attach them all to your clothing and I make you go out in public in them. And that, and most people don't know that. So like literally, like I'll be wearing Mm -hmm. a shirt with stuff on it. Yeah. So I actually, this Friday's episode on my podcast, I have the gal who was my beta client that went through this and you should have seen her eyes when I was like, all right, we're going to go now walk through the hotel lobby. <laughs> Cause here's the thing, like the injuries. Okay. So I always say this, like the external appearance that we have is something we can't hide, which is really hard by the way, external tags that represent, you know, things about us that, you know, we maybe don't want everybody to see they suck and we don't have a choice. We have to wear those tags, but there are a lot of internal tags that are I would argue far more damaging because we're hiding them. And when you show somebody all of the things that they're wearing, and then suddenly they have to flip that shirt inside out, so to speak, and they have to wear those tags. Suddenly you really realize what's really holding you back in your life. Right. Um, And then some of those ones, like those are the common tags that you said before that like, you know, uh, are normally the ones that are holding people back because I'm going to tell you why I'm asking this question just because that was a terrible question. So um, again, (laughs) professionals. Um, So one of the things that I've said to you before, because I've been in some of your, some of your other rooms um, where maybe they're talking about mindset or whatever. And like, I was a coach, like a baseball, a college baseball coach for five years. Right. So like I read a lot of mindset books and like talked about, uh, learned about how to like, you know, teach mental toughness and all that kind of stuff. And I think that there's good stuff. There's, crap out there. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, pools to choose from. Um, but like one of the things that I've said to you, so this is not a new thing. I'm not, this is not shock, like a shock jock type thing, but like, (laughs) I think that most people that are coaches, not most, I shouldn't say that there's a lot of coaches out there that are like mindset coaches that I think are full of it because I think that like, they have a message that they need to sell, right? Because that's their job. 
So they have a message that they need to sell. So that what they do is they have a, like a very broad blanket message that they kind of like can, can apply to a lot of people. And I think that one of the things, and that's like one of the things that I really like about your stuff is because you do ask questions and you find out like what's actually holding that actual person back. And then, but I think that people sometimes like, they're like, oh my God, you know, um, Tony Robbins is not a good example because I think that Tony Robbins is good at what he does, but I think that Tony Robbins <laughs> generally has a blank message, right? But like, so right. Tony Robbins, people identify a lot with him. They're like, oh my God, his message changed my life. But what if Tony Robbins was going around saying the same thing to everybody? Not you, not just you, not just you, but to everybody. So then I think that one of the things that I think that these mental coaches sometimes miss the boat or like people don't understand when they're listening to some of these people is that like, because their message resonates with you, that message resonates with a lot of people. So you're not that different from everybody else. And I think that that's like one of the things that I think people are scared of because they think that like, I'm the only one going through this and they're like not willing to talk about it. And that's just, I mean, this is just kind of like a plug for tear off the tags. That's one of the things that I like about you is that you actually like take it down and, and you break it down. You ask them questions, you figure out like, what are the actual things that are um, you know, holding them back and like, what are the actual things that they need to kind of shake and tear out yeah. and whatever. So there's a plug. There you go. No. And truly I, I appreciate that because it is very difficult for us to create courses for the masses and create content that is accessible for everybody. And even, you know, I'm writing a book and it's very difficult because my whole mission is individually focused because none of us, literally none of us have the same from top to bottom tags. I like, I would argue that there's not two people in the world that have the same set of tags. Yeah. And the other thing is there are tags we can be wearing one day and not the other. Like I may have days where I feel, feel super self-conscious. And then the next day I might feel super confident. And then the next day I might have s- false confidence that I'm packing around with me. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of an ever flowing thing and people get really frustrated by that because we are in a world that's really automated. And so when we have to put that kind of effort in, it's exhausting and we're busy. But the truth is we're only getting to know ourselves on such a deep level because of these sort of templated programs that we go through. So one of my conversations that I get frustrated about is people will say, I'm an Enneagram three, I'm stubborn. That's just who I am. And the interesting thing about the Enneagram is it's an ipsative assessment. Ipsative means like- Yeah, yeah. We need to know what an Enneagram and ipsative is. Yes. This is not that- high level of a show. All right. Maybe my audience is, <laughs> but I'm definitely not. So yeah. Let's break everyone those else words. knows what an Enneagram is. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone else, except for me. So tag dumb, you know, for sure. No. Oh, see, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope right. I didn't give you that tag. No, I'm, but just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah. No. Tell us what an Enneagram and then Ipsative. So an Enneagram is a really common assessment like Myers-Briggs and DISC. Um, It's done a lot in the corporate world. It's done a lot in relationship coaching and people will get their Enneagram number or whatever assessment they're taking. And it becomes like their cloak, right? It's like they, it's right. And they own it. They're like, oh, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm stubborn. And that's who I am. And that's, that's just, that's how it's going to be. Well, an Enneagram is called an Ipsative assessment and Ipsative means like me. So you are telling the test who you are. The test says, this is who you are. And you go, oh my God, this is amazing. This is who I am. Now I believe more in normative assessments because they test us more to our core personality traits and the danger in any assessment. Um, but especially Ipsative ones is they don't have a high reliability rating. So because you're telling the assessment who you are today, 
it's like a 0.42 reliability rating that you will be the same person next year because we are always evolving and we're supposed to. So when someone says I'm stubborn and that's just who I am, I go, well, no, you don't have to be stubborn. Like maybe today you're feeling that you're wearing the tag stubborn, but is that who you want to be? Do you want to work on it? Do you want to? So I find it frustrating because it's like, we have choices that we can make every day to be better, to grow, to develop, to change, like whatever words you want to use that you would associate with the way that our identity develops, that's fair game. But I think one of the dangers in our world and kind of to go back and answer one of your points, there are so many coaching programs out there that are teaching a very templated attempt to coaching. And people do that with purpose because they want to make sure that people are getting quality help. So, you know, they give you only so much flexibility so that they can keep their product, you know, yeah. fluid and right. continuous. Yeah. But I agree with you that we aren't interrupting the thought patterns of all these categories we're being placed in because it is and can be very templated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that that's some great points. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to ask too was... Um, I, I'm curious because I mentioned at the outset, not of the episode, but, but when we first got on and started chatting before we hit record, um, you know, who who the people that actually listen to this episode are. So a lot of young professionals, a lot of people that are trying to make a name for themselves in business. So I think this is, we're going to talk about some tags, I guess, here, um, like vocational tags, right? So I know you talked about cheerleader, professional cheerleader, blah, 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 right? The oil and gas thing was another thing that was, you know, uh, uh, added some tags onto you. Um, but like, what are some things that you see being like, maybe take it from like a corporate type thing or, or whatever it is, but like, what are some things that you see that are the most common, maybe that would resonate with the listeners of this show and maybe how they can kind of like tear those out. Sure. Yeah. One of the things I noticed the most in corporate is that we actually label our impact people with negatives. So if you have someone who works in your team, who's sensitive, we might label them drama or we might label them weak or sensitive or emotional. Um, and so sometimes leaders and team members will, will categorize people in a way that's really negative, but what they're really missing is that they have an incredible impact to bring a team that they're not, nobody's seeing because nobody's willing to see past what is different than them. So an organization that I worked with last year had a habit of hiring a very similarly profiled person. And that person was highly competitive, high sense of urgency, high take charge, high objectivity, high resilience. So this person is like, do you cuss on your show? Sorry to come off mute. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, I'll say a bad A. Okay. So this badass. person is like a bad That's not that bad. You could say badass right. on here. Well, I, I, was thinking you were, I, I was thinking you were going to bring up like, you know, some like higher level curse or whatever. No, but... I'm not dropping F-bombs on your show. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then someone does. I mean, I, I personally don't because I, you know, do it for right. purposes, but badass is okay. You could say Okay, badass. cool. All right. Well, yeah. so this person that they tend to hire is a badass and they are really seen and respected in the business world as go-getters, achievers, number meters, right? Like I don't, that's not a word by the way, but you know, they're really seen as these powerhouse people and they, they climb the ladder and the higher they climb the ladder, they more, they, the more they step on anyone who's not like them because there's more of them than there are the others. Well, nine times out of 10 teams that are like that will miss 
the value of the impact person who's actually thinking about how the programs are landing on the customer or what the delivery is in the advertising or the way the marketing plan is structured. So it's really in my life, what I've really noticed is when we can really look past some of the labels and judgments we might put on someone, we can learn really fascinating things about people. And it then ignites creativity because we live in a world right now where we sort of step on creativity and we believe that it's all been done. Right. And that's, that's what I love about my content is I will talk for a few minutes and someone will go, Oh, so-and-so does that. I'm like, how, how would you know that I've been talking for 30 seconds and I've been developing (laughs) this content for two and a half years. And it's amazing to me how quickly we sort of put a lid on people's pots. Like that's been done. That's I've already seen that. And the reason is because we're not listening. We're not really giving them the space to share who they are and all of the wonderful ideas they have. And we do this in corporate America all the time. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Right. So then, but like, I I totally agree. Like from a creativity standpoint, I definitely agree. um, Because I feel like that's something where like, you know, people like it's been done already or it's not, I mean, nobody's going to hear it or like, I mean, just take a podcast type thing. Like you, we're in podcasting rooms a lot on clubhouse. And I think that one of the things that we, I, at least I hear quite a bit are like the rules that like people need to follow in like building a podcast or what your niche needs to be or whatever else. And like, I literally don't do any of those. And like, I think that the show is somewhat successful. So like, I, right. whatever, I mean, I made up my own rules kind of as I went. Um, and I, you know, I think you kind of do the same thing. I mean, you don't necessarily subscribe to all the rules that everybody on clubhouse tells you that you need to have your show, uh, you know, follow and your show is more successful than mine. So, you know, make up your own rules. Well, and I think it's so interesting. We, we start on a path and we look to others for answers. So we're sort of externally going, okay, who can help me with step one? Okay, perfect. I'm going to follow that person. Now who can help me with step two and think about where you want to go and where you're going to end up when you're willing to let other people influence you all the way through your life. And I did this. I am my own avatar. I am the person who, you know, and I would call it a people pleaser and that's a tag. Um, it's actually one of my favorite tags, but if you think about being a people pleaser and sort of following these expectations of others, or maybe even suggestions of others, it's where's the end goal. How are you ever going to feel like you're living your own life? If you're always sort of meeting the needs of other people. And then the second question is, are you going to begin to attract people who are attracted to you because you are a people pleaser. So you then start to get manipulated in a negative way and it's no longer constructive in, in your life. And And we do this, we see people pleaser as almost like a positive in our lives. Like, you know, Oh, I'm really adaptable and I'm a people pleaser and I'm here for you. I'll do anything you ask me to do. Yeah. Which is exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) And how much is that really serving any of us? No, it's not. Yeah. The other thing. So tag that you just laid out before the badass tag um, interesting story. I'm going to tell a story cause it's my show. And, um, so I had a woman on the show, uh, AJ Bishop and that episode we'll have posted before this. So AJ Bishop, she was a guest of mine at Podmax on Friday, the 26th of no, yeah, the 26th of February. And so I was reading about her and she comes from corporate America. Um, you know, daughter, like one of three sisters from a immigrant uh, mother from Brazil, um, you know, single mom, mom only finished third grade. And then AJ basically just like, 
powers through the finance industry and becomes like this, you know, now it has her own business, like wealth conscious coach, whatever type. And um, I was like reading like all the stuff, like her bio that they gave me and some of the, the website stuff. And I was like, wow, this woman is a badass. And like, when I was thinking badass, I was thinking like, she's going to get on here. She's going to be all business. She's going to be whatever. <laughs> totally. Um, totally not that. Like she was like, she's a yogi. She's, you know, like, uh, but she has like all like these different, she was that person at one point. Um, and then kind of like transitioned herself, but I still thought that she was a badass because like, just to kind of go through what she's gone through and get herself to the level I mean, self-made millionaire, the whole thing, um, that's still badass, even though she may not seem as like the traditional badass. So question, do you have tags that, that would sometimes be like that? Like you think badass and you think one thing, right? But there's like so many other things that could be attached to that tag. A hundred percent. So I had it, we were at a mastermind retreat this weekend. I am in a community called the total life freedom community. And it was about 10 of us entrepreneurs masterminding our businesses together. And one of the guys talked about scaling his business. And then I asked him to define it. And he said, well, I think it's growing quickly. It's growing at a rapid speed. And we get this a lot in the podcast lunch hour. We get a lot of people who want the numbers. They want the growth. They want to be quote big. So I challenged him on his definition and I sort of made him go further and further in defining it. Then I pulled up the definitions of scale. There are 15 definitions in the Oxford dictionaries for scale. Not one of them has the, a word that has anything to do with speed in it. Not, not one. In fact, many of them talked more about the weight, right? Like weighing things on a scale. So more of a measuring system than some kind of accelerant in our lives. So it's a perfect example of what you're saying. And that's why it's so key that you know how you define the words that you are tagging yourself with. Right. Yeah. Um, so then like, I just lost my train of thought again. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Okay. Because I think that that's such an interesting thing because, oh, that was going to be what it was. So like you hear like authentic all the time. And I just, on the morningspotlight.com, put up a blog post that I hate authenticity because I think authenticity is one of those tags that has just been like totally taken out of context of what it actually should mean. Like authentic is you just yourself. Like that's all it is. And it's a quest. You never actually, I mean, personally, I don't think you ever actually like truly find like who you are to like the core. Cause I think there's just like so many external variables and things that can happen that kind of like, you know, it's a ever evolving type thing. Um, but authentic, like, you know, what do you think of when you think of authentic? It's got to be something that has like tattoos and they're loud and they're confident and they're like the life of the party and all that kind of stuff. But that's not always what authentic is. You know, there's plenty of people that right. you know, you're like one of them. I don't think you know, you don't fit maybe everybody else's definition of authentic, but I think that you at least try to be as authentic as you possibly can. So that was just one of the other things like that I kind of heard that like I thought was interesting because, you know, like everyone has like their own definitions of different things and kind of like what they mean to different people. But at the, like you were saying with scale at the core of authenticity, it doesn't say like you have to have tattoos to be authentic. You know what I mean? Right. It, just, it just says you have to be like yourself. That's all it is. It's so interesting because when we meet anyone, we decide a couple of things. One is whether or not we like them. And we decide this really quickly. And the second thing is we decide whether or not this person is real or fake. So it, it plays into that authenticity conversation. And I don't think, I actually don't think I've talked about this enough in my content in that 
it's, it's like, we can decide if we feel authentic and other people can decide if we seem authentic with the limited knowledge that they're given. But what's interesting is when you are a specialized polymath or the Jack of all trades, I find that it can be very difficult because you, you chase a hundred different balls in the air, right? You're always sort of in something else. And so it's really easy. And at least this is how I feel is it's been really easy for people to look at me and be like, you're all over the place. You know, like you don't go together. None of your stuff matches. And we like matching. We like continuity. We like, we like something that we can rely on. Well, if you're like ever flowing and ever changing, that can be a huge red flag to some people to go, you know, that person's inauthentic. And, you know, I think that's a really complex problem and tag that we probably could dive into for another long period of time here that we don't have. But I I think as our world is going more and more towards this polymath way, where we're learning a a lot of different skills and adding value in a lot of different areas that hopefully will kind of start to begin to feel normal. Um, but I, I think there are a lot of people probably listening to the show who have felt that, who have felt like the pressure to show up as one way all the time. And yeah. that's, I don't know that that's realistic. No, it's not. I mean, like one of the first ever episodes I did was with the, my friend Ricardo, who owns a clothing company and, but he does a lot of stuff in like the mental health suicide prevention mm-hmm. space and, and just his whole mess. I mean, I even wear the Fukit band all the time. Um, that's the, it's Fukit, F-U-K-I-T-T, which is jarring when you first see it, but it's to get that conversation going because right. that's what it encourages you to say. Right. So fuck it. Right. So right. there it is. Hey. <laughs> we'll, ble- we'll bleep it out. Um, but maybe not, but, but anyway, so like one of the things that he talks about is happiness and how like happiness is something that you, you're like, there is no one on the planet that is happy every day because right. you just never know like what the next day is going to bring. And when you do have those happy days, you know, that that's like, you know, a great thing, but you know, that even if you don't have a totally happy day, maybe tomorrow could be happy. You know, and like, it's right. just a matter of changing your perspective on everything and knowing that like, not everything in life is just like final done. Right. I mean, I guess, except for like death. Right. So like, not everything is just Only final. two things, death and taxes. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. <laughs> so not everything is final. So that it's a constantly fluid type thing. And like, to your point, to show up the same way every single day is impossible, you know, right. like, because you don't know what, and to expect that from someone else, I also think is unfair because you know, your perspective on like what they're going through or how they're, they may be the same person, but what you're going through that day may change. So then all of a sudden you're not receiving what they're giving you the same way. So there's just so many, I mean, again, like you said, we could probably go through hours and hours of all this kind of stuff, which I know you do with your clients anyway, um, which leads me to just asking real quick, just so people that know, like who are people that you normally work with? Are they just like one-on-one like this? Are they with corporations? Like who are the, who are your people that you work with the most? I work both with teams and organizations and with individuals. I'm currently putting together workshop programs where you can actually come together with people that are just, you know, like-minded in that they want to expand in their own personal development. And I really feel like when you can do this work with a community of people, you really start to gain value because we learn a lot from each other's tags. We learn, I mean, we learn a lot from other people's shit, right? Yeah, right. You cuss. So I get to cuss too. And I don't even <laughs> everyone cuss. gets, everyone gets one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my real swear word for the day. <laughs> um, you know, but I think what, what, what you bring up is so valuable because 
we feel like we have to apologize when we don't show up the same every day. We, we have, and there's like branding rooms, right. In clubhouse where we talk about our personal brand. And now if you're not in business, you still have a personal brand. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, but we, we put all this pressure on people to be one thing. And like you and I have run into this where I, you know, I'm extroverted number one, like probably over anything else tag wise that I wear extrovert is probably my my heaviest or my, my largest and being extroverted comes with an expectation that I'm always on or that I can always fill conversation. But I've had many days where I hop in the lunch hour and I'm like texting you like, Mike, I'm sorry, I'm off or I'm distracted. And I have all these other tags that show up. Um, and you know, you are awesome and give me space to have off days or have moments or have distractions. Um, and so I think it's really valuable that we as a society and as a world start to give permission to people to even to explore showing up differently. You know, I always tell my new clients that if there's a family, um, tagger in the mix, if there's like a mother or a husband or a coworker, like there's always kind of like a powerful, tie. That's like a tagger in your life. Yeah. And what happens when we start to show up differently is that rubber band starts to get really tight because that person is like, wait a second, I want you to change, but now you're changing. And I don't know that I like what that's like either. Right. right. Cause in some weird way, it actually benefits them that you show up negatively in their eyes. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is so interesting when you talk about it is like, you know, like if, if you text me during the lunch hour, like I'm off, I'm distracted, whatever. Um, tags. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, and I think that one of the things that I do like about you, at least in, you know, the conversations that we've had, um, is that you do stay pretty vulnerable. So you're like, so I think what also kind of irks me sometimes about like these self-help coaches is that like, they have it all figured out. Like they meditate for an hour every morning, they stretch, they drink eight gallons of water every day. They journal for three hours. They do all these other things. And it's like, do you do anything that makes you like a productive member of society ever? Um, Or is this just like, you know, you do all these things every day. So you're just so much better than all of us. Um, So I know that there's stuff that, you know, tags that you kind of have to go through yourself. And I think that's one of the cool things that I like about the whole message is that like, you don't pretend like you're better than everybody else. Cause you talk all the time about how like you're going through all these other things. Um, so question, what are some ways that you go about, uh, shaking those tags? There's only one thing that I do. And that is, well, <laughs> I lied. Um, I identify the word and I make sure I have the right word. And so like one that I identified earlier this year that was really important is I kept tearing out the tag inconsistent and I wanted to replace it with something like consistency, right? So I struggle with follow through. So I was trying to like, you know, trade one out for the other. And what I found was the tag that ultimately served me that I attached was cadence and cadence just felt better to me because it was like, this rhythmatic way that I could go about creating content and connecting with, you know, people like you and being on clubhouse and all of, all of the things that need to kind of be cranking and flowing like riding a bicycle. Um, so it's really important to me that you one have the right word, and then you really decide what it means to you. Cause it doesn't matter what it means to anyone else. Yeah. It only matters what it means to you. And then if it's not serving you, 
you write it on a sticky note, literally, or a piece of paper and you tear it in half. I keep mine in a jar because I like to see what I've removed from myself. I like to see what I've accomplished, but you can burn it. You can throw it away. You can rip it into a thousand pieces. You can rip it once you can hand it to your spouse to have throw away. Like there are no rules. And I think that's the point that you're trying to make is there are so many people tell, telling us how to live our lives. And yeah. that's where these tags are coming from. Right. Um, so I was actually in a branding room last week in clubhouse and a gal said, I'm a perfectionist. And she was talking about creating content or starting a podcast. And one of the people in the room, one of the gurus said that he felt like perfectionism was just fear in disguise. So he's now taken her perfectionist tag and handed her fear. And then another person said, I think that perfectionism is just, um, imposter syndrome. So again, takes, takes perfectionism and hands her imposter syndrome that did not help her. Right. They were trying to help, but all, all they're doing is handing her another tag that she then just takes that. And that becomes the blocker. Right. So what we did instead is we asked her what her definition of perfect is. And then as a coach, my responsibility is to make her see that her definition of perfect isn't realistic and it really isn't applicable. Once I can do that as a coach, I can start peeling the tag off before they've even had a chance to rip it in half. Um, and when, when you can start doing that for yourself, you truly become unstoppable because there's no longer anything blocking you because you're in control of what you're wearing. Right. So when you tear out these tags, so one of the things that maybe I have a question still is that like that tag might come back. Right. Sure. So like, that's like one of the things I think is interesting too, because it's just like a never ending process. So even if you do put it in the jar, burn it, bury it, you know, and leave it for dead, it, it still might come back. So like, is that ever like a frustrating thing that you have to deal with? Or is that just something that kind of, you know, like once you kind of get more comfortable with the process, it's easier to tear them out. Yeah. I don't personally find that it's frustrating. They are going to come back. I think that's a lie when people tell you they're going to move you from A to B in X, Y, Z days, you know, like it's just everything that we have in our lives right now seems so formulated. And it, it is because everyone needs to make money and there's nothing bad about that. It's not a negative. The world has to turn. People need to be paid for their services. Like I don't personally feel like that's demonizing. However, what happens in that is if you don't fit within the rules, right. Or the, the guidelines of how someone is going to move you through a system, then what are you left with? You're, you're left with the same thing that you arrived with, which is why so many people are carrying those tags to begin with. Um, I personally, and this is just my experience. And as you've pointed out, I am just a member of my audience walking through this with you guys. It is very important to me that I am always accessible in that way, because I think that we all believe that people who've accomplished really amazing things don't have tags and they don't have limitations and they don't have limiting beliefs but we all do it. Yeah. We just have them in other categories that maybe you don't, and maybe they're the same and we're just not willing to share it, which is not allowing people to grow with us. So yeah. that's really an important piece of my content. Um, but I do, I do feel like the more you do it, the more it becomes like an automatic process. So you've heard me a million times say like, I have my overthinker tag on today. Yeah. Like my overthinker tag is like the devil on my shoulder. I cannot completely get rid of my overthinker tag. And part of it is our core wiring, right? I'm probably naturally wired that way, but because 
I've identified the qualities that show up in me when I'm spinning and it's not serving me. I, I'm much easier can hear a response from someone or take a piece of advice or talk myself into not overthinking and tear out that tag faster. Right. So one, yeah, definitely. So, um, the other thing that I was uh, hoping that you would answer earlier when I asked you the one question was that like, I saw on, (laughs) it's all right. It's all right. Uh, That's, I was, maybe I should have done a better job leading the question, but, um, one of the things that I think that you're doing is really cool is like the whole, uh, Broncos thing, because I think that that's Mm -hmm. like something that a way that you're showing that you're kind of going through this process all the time. So take us through like what you're doing with that and why that's, you know, helpful for you and could maybe serve as an inspiration for other people going through this process. Sure. Yeah. So one of the things I feel like is my responsibility with my platform is sort of always being the person who's willing to put myself out of the comfort zone. And I like that because I like discovery and I like relationship. And when I put myself in new situations, I gain both. So it's, it's both serving for my personality and I get to bring you guys along some of my uncomfortable journeys and some of tearing out my own tags. So last year after, oh my gosh, like 12 years of wanting to audition again for a pro dance team, I finally talked myself into it. And I got to tell you, like the biggest tag that showed up for me was old, which is so funny. Cause I'm not that old. I'm, I'm going to be 35 this year. I think it's like COVID. We lost a year. Did you know? Yeah, right. I have no idea how old I am. Honestly, <laughs> like, yeah. can I just say I'm 29 now? Right. Yeah, um, right, right. Just like work backwards. Yeah. But yeah, I had to really sit with this. Like I'm old tag. I'm, I'm too old even. And it's so interesting to me how it's almost like a flip is switched in our lives where we go from being too young, too inexperienced, too, um, naive, like whatever those things are to then like, I'm too old. Nobody wants to work with me because I'm, I'm too seasoned. I'm too expensive and everything sort of just flips. But have you ever heard someone say like, I'm the perfect age to do this? No, (laughs) you know what I think is, and it's just so interesting too, because like, you know, we talk about like, you know, you talk about the NFL, right? So like if a guy, so I'm 30. So if a guy is 30 in the NFL, he's like a veteran, he's got a couple good years left and then he's done. He retires, you know, baseball, maybe you make it to like 38, maybe 40, 40. If you're, if you're playing major league baseball and you're 40, you are like looked at as like an old dude, but like in reality, you are not that old. Like, Right. We're not old, but it's just interesting to kind of see like how the environment kind of just uh, shifts that. So sorry. Well, and who am I to say I'm too old to audition? So we get ahead of ourselves. Like maybe I am too old to be on this particular team, but that's not my call. My call is to say, I want to get in peak physical shape. Like I was in my twenties. I want to have a rocking body going into summer. I want to wear hair and makeup that makes me feel good because I've just sat in sweatpants on zoom calls for the last year, like whatever it is that's motivating you to audition. For me, a lot of it was proving to myself that I could do it again, proving to myself that I could really show up in that way and go through. Cause there's a lot of branding that takes place that that's hard. It's hard work. And I don't think a lot of people see that. Um, so anyway, last year I tried out to be a Denver Bronco cheerleader. I made it to the top 50 finals. And then because of COVID, they ended up not selecting a team, um, which, you know, it's like, we didn't have answers then. So you can't fault organizations for doing what they needed to do in the moment. So this year I'm, you know, I sat with this choice of, 
do I want to audition again? Do I have the time? You know, I went through all the excuses and all of the tags and the I'm old tag was right there again. You know, I'm a year older. And so I'm really having to face that again this year and continue tearing that tag out as I prep again for auditions. But I think the important piece is if I don't apply myself and try, I'm not even getting that experience and I'm not getting the lessons that come with it. That's, that's short of making the team. Yeah. No one, I would hope I, that's not true. I'm sure there's some people that would be like, Oh my God, how embarrassing she tried out. <laughs> she can make it. Like if someone's judging me because I'm 34 and I didn't make the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, they can kick rocks. And they probably wouldn't be able to make it either. So let's just be real. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. So uh, I have no idea how long this episode has been going for, but (laughs) I do have more questions. So if you're cool, we'll, we'll go for a little bit longer. Um, I'm cool. If you're cool. All right, cool. So um, embolden label, why doesn't it have any vowels aside from the first E? Or is that just like a, a branding thing? It, it It's hard to buy a website nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> Everything got is it. All right, cool. <laughs> I so, think we're just trying to be cool. Let's just yeah, go right. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is Embolden Label? And that, because that was like probably, that's the precursor to tear out the tags, but you still, right? Yeah, so you, but you so still it, lean into that too. So just t- tell us what it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that you're bringing this up and I'm going to be full disclosure here. This is what I do. This is a part of our messaging we're having a really hard time with. And it's also one of our darlings that we're not willing to kill because we think it's really valuable. And I say, we, I have a small team of people who have helped me from top to bottom with this mission because we really feel like it's a mission that the world needs. Um, And maybe we're being narcissists by thinking that, but there's another tag. (laughs) But um, so embolden label is really this overarching mission of when we can accomplish these smaller, and I say smaller, even though I think tear out the tags is a big message. I have a lot more that's coming down the pipe that supports tear out the tags. And I have a lot more speakers that I want to bring in to embolden label to really promote not only our own self-development and our own work, but also that connection between us and other people. Because one thing that you'll find when you jump into the like development space is we're either having a conversation about us, like be you don't wear makeup. Uh, you don't have to wear high heels. You don't have to be a guy's guy. You don't have like all of these things. Yeah. Or it's about other people and it's external focused, but there's not a lot of, I, I want to say companies, I'm going to say organizations that like pull the two together. So at Embolden Label, we really feel like if we can courageously tear out the tags that we're wearing, then we find the confidence we need to continue down our journey and accomplish our goals. Then we can turn around and see the people who are there on the trail with us and we can embolden others with us. So basically when we're better, everyone's better. Got it. All right. So that was just because I mean, I I know it exists and I've seen it. And even when you type in tearoutthetags.com, plug for the website, um, I think it does maybe even show up as embolden label or embolden.com or something Mm -hmm. like that. So Um, yeah. So, but yeah, tear out the tags.com is the actual website, but let's talk about the podcast. You got the bedazzled mic in front of you. Obviously we met because of podcasting. We have, I think two very different podcasts, but yet we are able to kind of learn from each other and do some different things with that. You do a daily show, which I think is just ridiculous. Cause I used to do a daily (laughs) show and forget it. And I had guests on the show 
And so I didn't have to do like five minutes of just me talking. I had other people to do the talking for me. Um, but why the podcast? It's been going, I know, since I think you said Thanksgiving of 2020, right? Or yep. at least like around then. Yeah, uh, we're right around three months. Yeah. So obviously successful so far. So why the podcast? What do you talk about? Why should people go listen? Yeah, the, the whole purpose of the podcast is a daily digestible episode that you can take with you that will just start igniting some of the conversation around your own tags. So sometimes we have silly episodes, sometimes we have super serious episodes. And really the key is starting to get you to start thinking about the way you define the words that you use in your life. Um, so I'm gonna call you out here and I apologize in advance, but you just said you doing a daily solo show is ridiculous. So <laughs> Tag, like, damn it. Oh my well, God. It's interesting, I almost made right? it the whole thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it is, it's like, if I, if my mom called me ridiculous growing up, which she didn't, I, my mom always hates when I talk bad about her. On <laughs> Imagine that. But, um, I don't think she listens. So I think you might be good. Yeah, good point. <laughs> valid. That's valid. But yeah, I mean, if someone in my life used to call me ridiculous because I was whatever, right. Yeah. That might have pinged like a negative in me, even though you were giving me a compliment. Correct. Right. Cause I yeah. can't handle that. You know, exactly. I mean, I tried and I couldn't, you know, sustain it or at least I got burned out doing it. And I know that you do it. And I know that you don't always like sometimes you might miss a day, which is cool because totally. it's like the how you show up every day thing. But um, yeah, I meant it as more of a compliment because I am impressed with the fact that you're able to do it every day. For sure. Yeah. And I, I knew I could call you out, but yeah, yeah. Mike was definitely giving me a compliment there. Right. But yeah, the podcast <laughs> is all about getting you sort of inspired to start doing your own tag work. And then also I have a guest on every Friday and I've got the coolest guests on the planet. And I know you do the same thing where it's like, I'm so excited to have this person on the yeah, show, right? but I think it's so valuable what we can learn from other people um, that, you know, the stories in our lives really oftentimes aren't that different, but it's the words we use to describe ourselves that really matter. Right. Um, yeah. And like, I think that, I mean, cause I listen to the show as regularly as I can, um, and like one of the things that I think is like almost so I, when I when I listen to your show and I know what my show is and I listen to other shows that maybe fall into like the they have like a lot of emotional episodes like to me, not that I'm an anti emotion guy, but just like to me, that would be so taxing because I feel like mm -hmm. for me, I do this show and I have a lot of fun doing it and I make no bones about this is just like primarily just we're having fun. We're having a good conversation. We're rolling, you know, like turn the music up or whatever kind of thing. So um, I just host a different kind of show. And then when I look at your show, because of like the stuff that you do and the work that you do and the ways that you try to help people. And I listen to kind of the, the conversations that you have. I'm just like, wow. I mean, like I, again, ridiculous. I meant that as a compliment because I could not go through those types of things all not all the time but frequently like talk to guests that have like these just heart-wrenching stories and kind of like feel them myself um you know and even just like when you put yourself in your vulnerable with like one of the solo episodes i think that that's even impressive because i just think that that's something that like it's hard to kind of be introspective and look at yourself and be like hey this is something bad about me i'm going to talk about it for five four or five minutes and then you guys can listen or not or whatever um, right. that's why I think it's just such an impressive, uh, show. Thank myself. you. You know, vulnerability is an interesting thing because it does two things. It helps us relate and it also makes people really uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah. it is a challenge because oftentimes I'll get messages that are like, Hey, it's okay. Like 
I believe in you and I think what you're doing is great. And I'm not doing my podcast to be a martyr or to be a victim. I'm actually doing it for the opposite reason, because I think we're getting out of control with being the victim and blaming oh, yeah. other people for all the tags we wear. Yeah. And so it's really important for me to get people to understand how I've made the choice to wear certain things, how I've picked up certain tags. It's been my choice. I'm the bully in my own life. Yeah. Um, and I think it's key that, you know, we need to learn as a society to honor vulnerability and start to be a little more comfortable with it because we actually elevate so much when we can show up authentically us and share our stuff and, you know, just kind of, it's that authentic thing. It's that it's the real piece yeah. of us that right. we're all sort of trying to hide. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're following a guru who doesn't show a lot of vulnerability and they have tons and tons of followers, that's why, that's why they're not vulnerable because yeah. you kind of get pecked to death by people that, you know, we call them trolls. Isn't that a fun tag, right? Yeah. Love you want to wear the tag troll. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So last question before we get into our closing segment. Um, cause I mean, again, I, I usually write down the time that we actually started recording just so I can kind of keep track of in my head of like where we are in the episode, but we've just been rolling. So it doesn't really matter. Sometimes they go longer. It's all good. Um, so, uh, one of the things I just cleared my throat directly into the microphone. So I'm going <laughs> to that out. Um, one of the things that I, uh, noticed on the, you know, you have like this podcast bio thing that you sent to me before, and obviously I didn't need all these questions, all these things, but like I asked for them because I just like to kind of see what are some things that you like to talk about, uh, the work-life balance myth. So I want you to talk about that because I do think that right now in the last year that we've all gone through as a society with COVID and all the stuff that we've kind of been through, um, the work-life balance type thing is I mean, it is so out of whack or maybe out of whack of what it was before. Maybe that was the bad work-life balance. But right. um, so talk, tell us what, why, why is that point on your little uh, one sheet here? You know, I think work-life balance is such an interesting subject because how did work get 50% of that conversation? Like work is part of our lives, but somehow we've like separated the two and put them on all opposite sides of like a balance beam. Yeah. And we're trying to sort of like do cartwheels or handstands or whatever gymnastics we know on that balance beam between these two things. Um, I know I have a family, you do not have children, correct? Correct. So it's so interesting to me how the, the kind of the, every choice you make in your life, right? If you go through the checklist of expectations of what we're supposed to accomplish, it's like every decision you make that's supposed to bring you joy adds to the complexity of that, of that work-life balance. Yep. And what, what frustrates me about this conversation is that the checklist exists. So when we take young people and you and I've both been in this position and it may not be the same checklist, but you and I had a perceived checklist of what we needed to accomplish as we went through our lives. And I personally had a, like an accelerated expectation of myself and how quickly I needed to accomplish that. So what happens is I didn't know I had a say, I didn't know that you could make a living talking like what a joy. I actually yeah. can make money having conversations in my life. <laughs> I spent 18 years in a back office accounting position because I didn't know that I had a say in who I was going to become. And I know that sounds ridiculous, right? right? I mean, once we're older in our lives, that sort of sounds insane. Like, what do you mean you didn't have a say? 
but so many of us are chasing after usually a degree first, and then it becomes a career. And then it becomes a longstanding history with a company and stock options and benefits and all of the things that we work so hard for. And all it ends us up with is a lack of freedom, a lack of say in our own lives and this work-life balance balance beam that none of us can seem to figure out. So, but this is kind of a perfect example of the guru conversation because everyone is trying to coin a word Yeah, and it's possible you're listening to this thinking, yeah, that's exactly what this chick is doing. Right. (laughs) I mean, it it may not land with some people. What's with the tags? Yeah. Yeah, Like now tags are a whole, a whole tagline keyword nightmare, Yeah, um, which is exactly by the way, what I'm telling you, Uh, (laughs) but you know, words like grind, CEO, boss, CEO, um, but boss, babe, yeah. Hustle. There's, yeah. there's a number of words out there like this, that we actually like market and pour in this messaging behind. And that then becomes this rat race. And that's all work-life balance is, is someone somewhere wrote a book or started talking about it. And somehow now we are all believing that the two worlds are separate and there's some magic answer down the middle. Right. And that's just, it's bull crap. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting take and i i do like the whole you know uh the hustle grind you know all that kind of stuff i think is something that like is just more of like a commercial marketing type thing where the people are trying to like push people to like work more basically and like right. if you're not you know 25 with like a six-figure in- income and crushing it and like you know driving a range rover like you're doing something wrong whereas right. like you know other people just kind of like know early on that they like you said before like you didn't know that you had a choice And then looking back, you're like, wow, you know, how did I not know that I had a choice? You know what I mean? So I think that everybody finds themselves in, I mean, I know that I have, um, and I think that everybody kind of finds yourself in that position at some point in time. Um, so I just think that's really interesting. So, um, I think we've talked about not everything, but we've talked about a lot. So I'm going to move the show into the closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So the spotlighters, which is what I like to call the morning spotlight listeners have listened to Mike Ham and B Evans talk for an hour and 10 minutes, an hour, (laughs) over an hour, um, about a lot of stuff. And some of the stuff has been, all the stuff has just been off the charts. Amazing. Um, but what is one thing that you want the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with? Maybe it's something we've talked about already. Maybe it's something we haven't talked about yet that you think is super important. So what is that one thing? The one thing is definitely catching yourself, making judgments of other people, judgments and assumptions. I see those one in the same. You may not, depending on how you define those two words, but you will never succeed. And I say never, I know you're not supposed to use absolutes in my world, but I am boldly saying you will never succeed in tearing out your own negative tags. If you can't begin to identify when you are verbally expressing your own judgments of other people, when you are unconsciously or subconsciously making those judgments and when you are then judging yourself because you've projected all your crap onto other people. Cause ultimately that's all, that's all we're doing. So, and the number one first step is, and you and I do this. <laughs> I do it too. I don't even know what you're about to say. The truth is about to drop. Well, <laughs> we, we are wired to categorize people. We just are. 
And there are situations where we have to navigate things. And sometimes we have to put people in categories in order to manage, like say, moderating a clubhouse room. Yeah, We might have right. to text each other behind the scenes and say, this one's a talker. You're going to have to rein this person in, or, you know, this person tends to come up and, and tell a story that maybe isn't real. That's being told in other rooms or whatever. Yeah. So we tend to have to label people. Um, I like to think we're doing it constructively. So I'm being vulnerable for our audience here, but I also think that when we're doing it in a way that is just negative or we are making an assumption, we have to be the first person to catch that. Um, and my husband and I do this for each other a lot. Like, you know, we slip, he might, we might be out and about, and he might see someone wearing wild pants and he might say, why would that guy wear those wild pants? Um, and I try, we try for each other to be that person that says, Hey, we don't do this anymore. You know, like who cares why he's wearing those pants? He has amazing butt cheeks, like let him, let him have it. <laughs> so it's definitely the, the judgments that we make and catching ourselves in them that will allow us to do our own work. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's great. And for everybody else listening that also attends the clubhouse or the podcast lunch hour cats out of the bag, we're texting about you behind your back. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. And the tag lady tags, everyone thinks that's so right. shocking, Yeah, but like, I tag too. I, I, I also have the habit of putting people in categories and you know, what I want you guys to hear from me today is you have a hundred percent control over what you're wearing and what you're choosing to attach to yourself. So people are still going to tag you. Yeah. It's still going to happen. Right. You're only human. That's, you know, sometimes what humans do, you're not impervious. Nobody's perfect. Right. And like, nobody's, there's no absolutes. Like I said before, there's no absolutes. Nobody just has it down pat and anybody that says they do is full of it. So, um, for everyone listening, B, where are, where are you? Like, I know we mentioned the website, tearoutthetags.com, but like, where can they get more B Evans? I'm everywhere. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, obviously. So yeah, www.tearoutthetags.com is the place to go from there. You can find the podcast. You can find us on Instagram. I'm obviously on clubhouse with Mr. Mike Monday through Friday, 12, 12 to 1 Eastern. To 1 Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. I'm like I said, I'm connection driven. So I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you think about the content. I want you to share your tags with me. Um, it's super, super important to me to have real conversations with real people. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's great. And I wouldn't have had be on the show, obviously, if I didn't think that she was going to provide some value to everybody. Um, so that is going to wrap up the show. This has been the Morning Spotlight podcast. Make sure you go to themorningspotlight.com or uh, email us at themorningspotlight at gmail.com if you want to reach out to the show, be a guest, talk about a specific topic, hear us talk about, uh, request a specific topic that we talk about on the show. Or if you feel uncomfortable reaching out to B directly because she's obviously very intimidating. And if you want to reach out to me first, <laughs> okay. I will facilitate a connection um, <laughs> if I can. So um, B, again, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us today. This was awesome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I really appreciate the invite. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And Spotlighters, thanks for listening and we will catch you next time.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the Morning Spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.